I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. In April, the IMS Institute released a new report that U.S. drug spending in 2014 rose 13.1% to $373.9 billion, the largest single-year increase in spending since 2001. A number of factors drove the increase, including the launch of innovative new therapies such as Gilead's hepatitis C drug, Sovaldi. We spoke to Murray Aiken, Executive Director of IMS Institute for Health Informatics, about the new report, the confluence of factors that drove spending higher, and what the outlook is for 2015 and beyond. Murray, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. We had the biggest increase in U.S. drug spending than in any year since 2001, according to your new report. This is the result of a, a confluence of factors I thought we could walk through. I, I think Savaldi, Gilead's breakthrough hepatitis C drug, has taken the headlines, but it's a bit broader than that in terms of the role innovative drugs have played in pushing spending higher. Sort this out for us. What, what role did Savaldi play versus new innovative therapies as a whole? So, um, indeed, I think it is important that we take the uh, the various components that contributed to this uh, record uh, increase in spending growth uh, into the into the various pieces. So, with respect to Savaldi, it was certainly a big part of it. Um, the viral hepatitis treatments, uh, including Savaldi, but also others, uh, contributed about eleven billion dollars to um, spending growth in uh, in 2014. Uh, there were other new drugs uh, in oncology, multiple sclerosis uh, uh, in, in particular, that also added to the growth in um, spending uh, of on new brands, uh, and which brought that total to a $20 billion contribution to the $43 billion uh, overall growth in spending in uh, 2014. So it's a significant part um, of the story and um, a, a demonstration that when uh, great uh, new therapies come to market, um, there is indeed a market for them and um, and that helped drive the uh, spending growth uh, significantly higher in 2014. Well, how good a year was 2014 for bringing innovative new therapies to market? Well, in terms of the number of launches, we saw the most ever since 2001. So we had 42 new launches um, in 2014. That's a slightly different metric than FDA approvals, as you can appreciate. And we do think that this reflects uh, a number of the measures that have uh, occurred um, uh, with the FDA over the past uh, several years, um, starting with the Orphan Drugs Act. Uh, and the impact that that's had. Uh, we had 18 orphan drugs, a record, uh, launched in 2014. We had 10 drugs launched that have, that carried, uh, breakthrough therapy designations by the, from the FDA. Uh, we had five antibacterials launched, including four 
that came through on the uh, the, the, the special uh, program there. So the sorts of mechanisms that have been put in place to encourage uh, um, innovation in certain areas and to provide incremental incentives uh, do seem to be having an impact, uh, at least uh, when measured in terms of the number of these new drugs uh, that are making it through the regulatory process and, and into uh, the marketplace. I think one interesting thing to note in the report is that it showed there were a wide range of new launches for larger disease populations offering improved efficacy or administration. I, I think we're at this point where a lot of attention has been paid to high-priced orphan drugs, but what have we seen in terms of drugs for large population groups and their impact on spending? Well, we we, we, we do see, uh, we did see uh, nine drugs, um, sorry, we saw nine therapy areas with more than 5 million uh, patients uh, potentially able to benefit from drugs uh, newly launched in, uh, in 2014, and that includes uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, psoriatic arthritis, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, and, and so on. Um, so for those products coming into these markets, uh, again, with a, with a strong clinical profile, um, their contribution to, to growth has been, uh, is uh, significant. For those that are coming to market with uh, less differentiated profiles, um, it's a, it's a tougher game for sure. The, uh, the level of scrutiny placed on, uh, on, on new drugs is, uh, is high. And, and so the, the bar has gone up in terms of the uh, clinical differentiation that's required in order to uh, uh, successfully launch a new product in what are very often uh, rather crowded uh, 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 primary care-oriented markets. Well, as 2014 came to a close, it was clear that Cefaldi was fielding some heat from price competition of other new hepatitis C therapies. It's still early in all of this, but is there any sense of the impact competition is having and, and the efforts by folks like Express Scripts and others to pit one drug against another to negotiate more favorable pricing? Well, I, I think the, the the focus is has been a little too much placed on the uh, on the pricing dynamic and perhaps not enough on the volume dynamic. So, what what really drove the uh, the growth in Hep C spending in 2014 was that 161,000 patients with hepatitis C initiated treatment with one of the new. Uh, 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 drug options that that are now available, and that was up from seventeen thousand in twenty thirteen, a year where where clearly uh, patients were being warehoused, uh, but all, but that was still uh, significantly higher than the thirty thirty five thousand uh, patients who initiated treatment back in two thousand and eleven and twelve, when other new uh, treatments had come to market. So, I think the the uh, uh, part of the uh, the equation here is the extent to which the volume of patients uh, being treated, and and we understand there's about three million uh, Americans with hepatitis C, diagnosed or undiagnosed. Um, how do those patients uh, gain access to to this medicine, and what percentage of them are being treated? Uh, so I think with uh, price competition, um, if if prices indeed are uh, coming down, then uh, we may well see an, an increase in the volume of, uh, of of patients who are being treated. So I, I think that sometimes gets lost in the uh, sort of focus on the headline numbers in terms of the the price per pill or the amount of uh, discounting that that uh, may be going on in this therapy class.
Specialty drugs, you note, now account for a third of the spending. Payers continue to be concerned about disproportionate spending on these. Are are you seeing any change in this trend? Is this going to continue to drive overall spending? And and if so, what's the consequence? Well, we do see a very uh, robust pipeline of uh, drugs, particularly uh, in oncology, but but in other areas that are um, in the specialty uh, category. Uh, And so we do expect to see more of these drugs coming to market. Um, and, and again, those with, uh, with great clinical profiles um, will be uh, inevitably in demand. Um, so we do expect to see the share of uh, spending on specialty drugs um, increase. Uh, but let's not forget that part of the reason that share is increasing is because we have seen a lot of patent expiries um, occur in the non-specialty uh, part of the market. So, you know, we are in an era where there's uh, there have been substantial uh, savings from the uh, uh, patent expiries on traditional drugs, um, which is um, helping to fund the uh, uh, the unmet needs that these uh, new specialty drugs are addressing. Um, and I think we'll see more of that. Um, we've got a lot of patent expiries coming through in 2015. Um, certainly higher than the level we saw in uh, in 2014. Um, that helps to uh, you know balance the budget, so to speak. But it's also one of the reasons why we do see this um, a growing um, a share of the market taken by uh, specialty drugs. Uh, the other dynamic, however, that's that is coming, you know, very closely uh, on the horizon is the introduction of biosimilars, and uh, uh, and again, we will we will be watching closely to see how that affects things uh, in the coming years. Well, uh, uh, that's a good point. L- l- let me ask you about that. The loss of patent protection was far more muted in 2014 than what it was in recent years. What's been the trend, and, and do you expect this to continue, or does another wave await us, particularly with the advent of biosimilars? So I think there's there's two things to take apart there. One one is that uh, indeed uh, a significant contribution to the 13% headline growth number for the total market in 2014 was the fact that it was a um, an unusually light year in terms of patent expiry impact. Um, we, we saw about 12 billion dollars reduction in spending on branded drugs as a result of patent expiries in 2014. That compares to $20 billion the year before and, and $29 billion uh, back in 2012. Um, and that's a, that's a reflection of the timing of patent expiries as well as the availability of generics uh, when those patents expire. In uh, Over the next five years, we have on average a lower level of uh, patent expiries than the past five years on average. Uh, 2015 will be a reasonably significant year. Uh, with respect to small molecules, uh, then we'll see some some moderation, um, but uh, uh, patent expiries will continue to um, to bring savings to the total market. On top of that, we have the the advent of biosimilars now um, available uh, or, or becoming available uh, in in the market. Uh, we think it's still going to take a little time for them to find. Um, their their place and their role, um, and to see what impact that has on on pricing and volume uh, with respect to the biologic drugs. Uh, but it's certainly um, a, a new factor that needs to be watched um, uh, closely um, as these biosimilars uh, increasingly uh, become av- become available. Well, one of the other drivers here was the Affordable Care Act. What what role did that play in all of this? 
Well, we saw a couple of uh, things for the first time in 2014 as the uh, implementation of the Affordable Care Act continues. We saw the uh, a significant increase in the volume of prescriptions filled through Medicaid. Um, those states that expanded their uh, coverage for Medicaid saw a 25% increase in the number of prescriptions filled through Medicaid. That compares to a 2.8% increase in those states that did not expand uh, Medicaid. We also saw the new health insurance exchanges begin to um, um, operate. Uh, we saw a, a, a gradual ramp up through the first half of the year, really through October, as uh, people enrolled and, and began to use uh, those health exchanges. The overall um, impact on the total market is still fairly uh, modest. We estimate that of the $43 billion uh, growth in the U.S. market last year, about a billion dollars could be attributed to the expansion of access um, uh, provided through the Affordable Care Act. Um, but we do expect that that will, will grow, um, particularly if additional states expand their Medicaid programs and as more patients um, enroll in the health insurance exchanges. As payers look for ways to to rein in spending, how much of this is impacting patients directly? How much of this is shifting burden to coming out of pocket? We do see a continuation of the trend, uh, particularly in the commercial insurance market, to uh, patients enrolling in plans that have some level of pharmacy deductible, uh, in addition to co-payments and, and uh, co-insurance. Uh, the evidence is, is pretty clear that the uh, the higher the deductible, the higher the, the co-payment amount, uh, the the lower the adherence rate uh, from existing um, on, from patients on existing uh, medications, and the higher the abandonment rate. In other words, uh, patients are simply not picking up the prescriptions that have been uh, written for them. Uh, we do think that this is a, um, a a big deal in terms of the. Uh, the nature of insurance coverage that um, uh, employees have and the impact that this will have in longer-term um, health costs and consequences. So we know very well that patients who are not adherent with respect to diabetes medicines uh, rather quickly become um, very ill and very expensive to the um, health system. We we do note that in 2014, we saw a decline in the number of um, retail prescriptions being filled through commercial plans. Part of that is because a lot of the new enrollees and health exchanges came out of commercial plans, about 70%, we estimate. Um, but part of that reduction is also a, a may also be a reflection of a uh, lower adherence rates as patients uh, have more visibility directly to the costs of their uh, medicines. I suspect this might be outside the the realm of, of your studies, but do we know at all whether the increased cost, uh, particularly on innovative therapies, is being offset by savings they're creating elsewhere in the healthcare continuum? Well, that's that's a little hard to see exactly what's going on at a at a payer level. Um, certainly, you know, traditionally the savings 
for the payers have come from patent expiries and, and the very rapid adoption of lower cost uh, generic alternatives when they enter the market. Um, and again, that's what made 2014 such a remarkable year because payers um, didn't have the benefit of that reduction at the same time they were facing um, somewhat uh, unexpected uh, increases, it seems, in uh, the level of spending on, uh, on, on innovative uh, treatments and in particular hepatitis C. Uh, what's ahead for 2015 and beyond? Do you, do you see trends continuing or are we approaching some point where there will be a, a substantial effort to address drug spending and slow its growth? Well, I think we see a, you know, a, a couple of things playing out. Uh, first off, we, we, we do expect the growth in the market in 2015 to be uh, lower than it was in 2014. Um, again, that's partly a reflection that these unique circumstances of 2014 we don't expect to repeat. So uh, we, we will see a, a larger savings from uh, generic events in, in 2015. Uh, we don't expect to see an incremental growth in uh, new drug spending that we saw in uh, 2014. Uh, so growth will, will certainly uh, moderate this year and, and indeed for, uh, for the next uh, five years. Uh, we won't see another 13% growth rate. I think the other thing to watch is, is what's happening on the um, insurance front, uh, both in terms of the, the Medicaid expansion uh, the uh, increased use of the health exchanges, and then what's really happening on the uh, commercial insurance side, and will we continue to see a decline in the use of drugs um, in that part of the market, or will there be countervailing uh, forces at play, particularly by payers and providers who are carrying more risk uh, uh, going forward than they have in the past, and therefore, in fact, will be turning their attention to the issues of, of adherence. Um, and uh, you know what we hear already is is that some plans um, are offering uh, drugs with zero copays um, for certain conditions, so that patients um, become more adherent because they recognise the benefit that that brings them. And as we move our health system from a primarily fee for service uh, to more of an outcomes and performance uh, basis, um, we will see new forces at play with respect to the role that medicines are playing and therefore the amount being spent on those medicines uh, in the overall um, healthcare context. Murray Aiken, Executive Director of IMS Institute for Health Informatics. Murray, thanks as always. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.